Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Boost Her, conversations designed to inspire you, me, and her. I'm your host, Nia Mason, and today marks our first Black History Month episode, starting a little earlier than February because why not? Black History Month in the Booster Club will feature an impactful collection of conversations featuring Black women across a variety of fields with numerous different lived experiences, personal and professional, for us to hear about as we celebrate everything great about this month. For our first episode, to start us off in the right direction, we welcome to the Booster Club Natalie Jones, Anchorage, Alaska native and former Division I collegiate basketball standout turned footwear product test analyst within Nike Basketball. In today's conversation, Nat and I discuss the ins and outs of her career in basketball innovation, her motivation for entering into this realm, and how she navigates its newfound obstacles presented by COVID. We will also talk about Natalie's favorite motto for her life and how it guides her both as a career woman and as a Black woman overall before diving into her industry and personal heroes and how they inspire her to forge ahead with an unwavering appreciation and gratitude for her own path forward. I'm ready. Let's do this. I know you like to call yourself retired, but I just need all the listeners to know that you are a hooper hooper. (laughs) Okay. And you still get out there and do your thing from time to time with I'm sure is one of the reasons why you're in and for the most part happy with your current role in basketball footwear as a test analyst. How has being an athlete helped you find success in this role? Honestly, where it starts is that hard work pays off. I think that we've all been in position being a freshman, knowing how it felt to be a freshman that you had to learn so much and you had to learn quickly But when you got comfortable and you got into your sophomore, your junior, your senior year, by your senior year, you were like, I'm a boss. I I got this. I got three plus years under my belt. And I think that's the same way I approach the industry. When I graduated from college, they hand you that diploma and they're like, good luck. You have to have those instincts that you had as a student athlete is one quote that sticks with me. And it's, I didn't come here to go unnoticed. How am I going to? separate myself from the pack in every industry and every opportunity that I stepped into the workplace, I had to be like, you know what? I didn't come here to go unnoticed. I need to be seen. What is it about being in front of the athlete in this way that you find most rewarding? I wish, and I think this goes back to college at university of Arizona. I was, it was a Nike school, Mm -hmm. but I never saw the rep and to be able to have those conversations. So when I landed at Nike, I was having those conversations. I'm talking to student athletes. I'm talking to post-collegiate. I'm talking to high school and youth athletes. And to me, I wish someone would have showed up the way that I'm able to do now in my job. And that's why I think that I love my job so much is because I'm in it with the athletes. I'm in their field of sport. I get to talk to them what their needs and wants when it comes to footwear. And I'm a big, big, big supporter of women's basketball and girls basketball. I know that we have the power to grow the game and bring visibility. You want to be a model of representation. You want to open up doors for them. You want to get their minds thinking about other things. How do you express that in this role? I think a lot of it is creating the opportunity for me to tell my story, but also for me to listen and to hear their stories, because I wish that someone would have walked in and told me their story and why they work for Nike or why they do what they do. Because 
I would have listened. I think there's a lot of people that are hungry that just don't know that there's all these type of jobs out in the world. And so your goal is to be able to influence that next chapter, get them thinking about it, which goes beyond even your role responsibilities. It's a human thing. To me, it's like, we got to walk what we walk, talk what we talk. And I'm a big believer of that. And I think that with my job, I, it's bigger than footwear. It's bigger than basketball. It's bigger than me, you know, but I think it just comes down to is we need to help create the next generation of innovators and disruptive thinkers. I'm just blessed that I get to influence that next generation by letting them know, let's go. What experiences have you had that has compelled you to really move everything you do towards being this voice of the athlete? We know it's that lack of representation in your younger life, but what other experiences have come across? I had to stand on my own two feet. So I had to figure things out. And I think what led me to the career at Nike, I want to be a pioneer of saying that visibility is big because there's a lot of little young girls out there that need someone to say, you know what, her story is like mine. How important is it that you're making sure you're listening and accurately translating what it is you hear from these athletes? I think it's very important, right? Because a part of the function that I work in, it's from having an idea all the way to the market. So we want to be able to deliver and have these athletes come on this journey. I'm trying to do different by really bringing that voice, really understanding these athletes and what they're saying. And I think just like you said, our experience of being hoopers ourselves, and we still love and love the game to this day is something that I'm just going to push. I'm going to keep pushing so that we get it right. So that when it does go to the market, you feel good. It's that overall feeling of like, you know, we did this right because we started with the athlete. What obstacles has COVID presented and how do you navigate this new way of working? Seasons are being canceled. Players are testing positive. I think that is the biggest challenge, trying to test with partners during a pandemic and knowing that what coaches are dealing with, the nuances for them, because they are completely having to shift their structure of practice as what they were doing just a year ago. And then on top of that, you have your seniors where this was supposed to be their year, go out with a bang, do it for them. And they're having to adapt to this change very quickly. And also too, if you test positive, you're quarantined. So I think it was, hey coach, are you comfortable? Just starting off with, are you comfortable testing during the season? What's the pulse of your athletes? How are they doing? How are they adapting? And I think that is where you just start off again, just being human and just realizing that this is hard for everyone. You are talking to basketball players from all walks of life, from all over the country, sometimes all over the world. How do you combat the egos that inevitably show up in your space? I think the more bigger the athlete, I tend to just be a fly in the wall. LeVar Ball says stay in your lane. So, you know, I tend to do that. How can I approach this conversation? Where can I get in and fit in in the right rhythm of a conversation? Because I think that what happens too is you get so many people in a room that you're hearing too many voices. And I think for me, I've always just been the firm believer of listen first, absorb what you're hearing, and then. How important is it when you do run into that situation to make sure that you're exuding confidence? It's challenging because for myself, I work in an industry where 
it's heavily white male dominated. And the challenges in itself is having a seat at the table, but also feeling that when you speak and feeling that when you give your insight, it's valued, it's respected, it's acknowledged. So I think that is some of the challenge that I've had throughout my career that makes it hard to say, yes, you're confident, you're this, you're this, you're this. That's a continuous challenge. Myself personally, I feel that when I do become confident, it's overconfident because then it's like, oh, am I being too passionate? Because when I talk, you see, I use my hands. Even when I send emails, am I coming off too aggressive or too passive aggressive? There's always this inner voice that is consistently saying, you can be confident, but don't be overconfident because you don't want to be the angry dot, dot, dot. So I think that that's the constant back and forth that I play with myself. And I'm glad you brought that up because we're going to touch on that a little bit later. But before we move on, I know you have to have a story of one of the worst egos that you've come across. Yes, I do have one. But it was one of those things where he was young. So I was just sitting back like, yo, who do you think you are? I was a year and a half into Nike and I just sat back and I was just like this, you know, we can't even get eye contact. If his mama was in the room, she'd be disappointed. So mm-hmm. for me, I took a back seat because I felt that the mom in me would have came out. It was just one of the things where, <laughs> where I said, oh, Lord, if I was your mama. <laughs> okay, one of the biggest things I really admire you for, I've told you this, and I try to copy you in this respect, is that you really do prioritize taking your breaks from work. Why is it that you draw a hard line on making sure that work-life balance stays even? There's two people that I got to shout out for this. I got to shout out the wife, and I got to shout out my mama, because... I think that those two have seen me at my breaking points where I am all in when it comes to, and I think that's the athlete in us. It's so much of like, this is my goal. This is my task. I got to get them all done because yeah. this is what I got set for today. And I think that now that I'm getting older, my body is telling me that you can't keep operating like this. When I stepped away from my job and I go on PTO, it continues to make money. Shoes continue to go out. I needed to create some consistency of where I was just logging off because at nighttime, just ideas of what I needed to do tomorrow. Ideas of what I was going to say in meetings. Like, are you serious right now? Like, go to bed. Go to bed. Something that me and you relate on is just being Black. There is something about, I always got to achieve. I always got to achieve. I always got to be on. I got to come to this meeting on. I got to come to this presentation on. It wore me out. So my wife helped implement some things for me. And it was just something that I just needed to embrace. And I feel better. As a Black woman, what specifically does I didn't come here to go unnoticed mean to you? I want to be valued as a team player. I think teams has always been a foundation in my life. And I think that every opportunity that I took in the workforce, I've always looked at being a part of a team. I want to be that team player, but I want to feel that 
everything that I'm doing is for a purpose and that it's valued and it's acknowledged. I think that as I got older, it meant something different because on hooping days, it was, well, I'm going to come out here and I'm going to bust you. Now that I'm older, it's something that really resonates with me and it still stays with me because it's like, no, I'm going to show up. I'm going to show up. I'm going to show out because that's what I'm about. So as you know, is Black History Month. You are our first guest we get to celebrate this month with in the Booster Club. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Talk to me about what this month means to you. It means greatness, honestly. It means to celebrate our pioneers, innovators back then. We had people that pushed the envelope. We had people that stood for something. People that were tired of getting on a bus and having to sit at the back. For me, it's saying that we can do great things. We really can do great things because we've had people that have done it more than ever. We need to continue to celebrate and evolve and grow our next generation. They need that inspiration. They need that hope. Because as sad as it is, there's a lot of hate in this world. There's a lot of challenges And I think that the best that we could do now is just encourage and wrap our arms around our younger generation. You know, so I try to do that with my nieces and nephews and just showing them that this is what you could be anything that you want to be. And I think that's why this month is so important. I know you pride yourself on being that influence to younger generations, to your family. It's why you got into coaching. Who in your industry, and we'll talk about personal in a second, But who within your industry are you looking towards as that influence for guidance and making sure you're on the right path? Well, I have to say Nike, May Shellstad. Long as I've known May, she's always had this always culturally inclusive outlook. And so I've always liked the way that she would take these conversations and just always come back to we need to have different people in the room because if we do, then guess what? We are going to create some beautiful stuff because we have people thinking differently. I think as a black woman being so high up, that is the little girl within me that's saying, yes, I want to be like her one day. And I think that's what I've really enjoyed is that when I feel that I'm at a crossroad, I'm able to reach out and say, Hey, can I pick your brain on something? Because I respect a lot what she has to say. And I think that when she speaks, people listen and it's authentic. She's able to relate and tell her story. The beauty of it is like, man, if everyone could just sit down and just listen to people's stories, it'd be a lot more love because you can literally educate yourself so much on just hearing someone's story. I think we help each other, but I really love the way you've helped me cope with being the only or one of few Black people in the room. What can you say are some of the valuable lessons that you've been able to pull from these experiences as being only or one of few? You know what? It's the saying. You have to be confident in saying yes and comfortable in saying no. I just need to be confident in showing up and saying, this is who I am. I'm the expert in this needing to bring this to the table and needing for my voice to get louder. Every meeting I had to get myself mentally to the point where I knew that you're going to go in here. This is the agenda. 
This is where you speak because you are the expert in this. That's what allowed my voice to get a little bit louder, a little bit louder and a little bit louder to finally people are calling on me. And it's like, oh, that feeling you're not only fighting for a louder voice for yourself, but you're fighting for every single sister, friend that has faced discrimination, that has faced racism. And I think that's why it's like, no, Matt, you can't just be quiet this time. When the George Floyd happened, I needed to say something. Everything needed to come out as far as my experiences, the way that I felt, my anger, my sorrow, my sadness. And I couldn't hold in anything anymore. In my well adult years, I finally realized that I can't be quiet anymore. There is time for change. And I have to look at that in every aspect of my life. That's with my friends. That's with my peers that I've been quiet with. That's my role of what I do in my work. And I think all those is where I needed to be reflective and say that your voice has to get bigger. Empowering other people so that 10, 15 years from now, the Natalie that comes after you isn't one of you or the only, but the Natalie that comes after you is filled with a room full of Natalie's. Exactly. And, and I feel like I have to help create that change. And the only way that I'm able to is I have to talk about my experience because if I don't talk about my experience, there will be another person that is going to feel exactly the way that I feel coming into a new world or even making a job switch and thinking like, man, what did I do? Because this is not what I expected. I'm just trying to be a voice, a bigger voice than that. Rosa Parks and Viola Davis are two women from Black history and present day that you take inspiration from as strong, confident Black women. What has their impact as you build your legacy in this world meant to you as a Black woman? Speaking up when you want to see change and two, again, the empowering, because I know that there's other people out there that feel the way I feel. One of those things where it's like, yeah, these two women got tired of seeing what they were seeing and called out and said, yeah, we need to start making some changes on the way that we think. It's a human thing. You ready to boost her up? Let's go. Okay. All of our boosters get these two questions and the benefit to the listeners that they will get a wide variety of perspectives on these two important questions. Straight into it, what has been your career-defining moment so far? My career-defining moment was actually seeing a shoe that I was able to be a part of the process from the idea, the Mm -hmm. sketches, all the way through to go to market. It was one of those beautiful things to be able to say, wow, that's what we started with. Wow, that's what we tested on athletes. And I was able to influence that shoe through all of those athletes' voices we were able to bring back not just what one athlete said, but it was an abundance of athletes that said, this is what needs to change. And then to finally see, wow, those were the adjustments that they made. Those were the redesigns that they made. And then the beauty of seeing athletes wear it, social media, what they think of it was just like, that is a cool feeling. I love that. What is one thing you wish the younger you knew before starting on this journey that you're currently on? Plain and simple, what you study in college or what your major is doesn't define you. The classes that I took, honestly, I came out. Did I use any of those classes? <laughs> like, let's just be, you know, I think that I wish that I would have traveled. I wish that I would have studied abroad. 
seen the world because I feel like that is the beauty of where you experience life. And I think that's where you learn. And I think that's where you grow. First job that I got out of college was not with my degree. Don't get too stuck on because I got this major, I can't apply for a certain job. Expose yourself to different cultures and learn and just live in that moment. Well, Natalie, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. We always have these great conversations. The only difference today is that now we have an audience. Before I let you go, is there any final thing that you want to say? Yes, there is. I would like to say how freaking proud I am of you. I would like to thank you for, you know, giving me this privilege to come on here and talk to you. This was an awesome experience and I am so, so excited to see where this goes. Well, let me tell you, the pleasure is all mine. You stuck with me. I hope you know. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to Boost Her conversations designed to inspire you, me, and her. To stay connected with Natalie, give us a follow on Instagram at boostherpodcast, all one word, and feel free to let us and Natalie know what you thought of today's episode. Please tune in next week as we continue our Black History Month conversations with Sandrine Zuku, an executive director focused on the development of African businesses and communities. Thank you again for tuning in to Boost Her Podcast where we will happily pull up a seat at the table for you as a reminder that while individually we may be great, collectively we are magic.